Hey, good day to you. I'm Carl Falk. This is the Falcon Around Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 8th. It is also two days from the start of the NFL season. Back in March, I don't know if I expected that we'd be to where the NFL would play a full season. I don't know if I thought we'd get to a point where baseball's going on and we've got basketball and hockey playoffs going on. The PGA Tour Championship just took place. The U.S. Open going on. Oh, yeah, college football to a degree. I watched Navy get waxed by BYU last night. It is starting to feel like sports aren't going to come back. Now, I've talked a lot about this NFL season, and I don't believe that normalcy will be any part of this season. I don't think seasonal integrity is going to be any part of this season. This season comes down to who handles the COVID virus when it happens the best. It's like injuries. Everyone has injuries. I believe this year everyone will have a COVID outbreak. In a situation where you're traveling, you're not in a bubble, it is much more likely, as we've seen in Major League Baseball versus hockey and the NBA, much more likely to have some sort of outbreak. So this year it's going to be an interesting year. But if you're a Bills fan, and let's face it, here we are in western New York, Bills have been a franchise that's been downtrodden for years and then bring Sean McDermott to town. And now, to the last three years, this team and this franchise has made the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game. But the first year, they made it almost in spite of the plan. I think when McDermott got here and then brought Brandon Bean along with him, it was a three-year plan to get themselves in position to overhaul the roster, create salary cap situations that are much more team-friendly because it was a salary cap mess under the previous administration, and get themselves to where they could build their version of a team. And Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, they have done that. They have managed this roster well. And now they're a team that should be a favorite for a playoff spot at worst. The playoff game that they played last year against Houston was a game that they found a way to lose somehow. I mean, if you think about that game, if you've gone back and watched that game, which I did a couple weeks ago, it's still astounding that the Bills lost that game. There were a lot of culprits. The easy point is Josh Allen did not get it done. Allen actually, I thought, made some really good plays down the stretch. Everyone looks at the bad plays to Josh Allen, that's how he's always going to be judged, because his bad is terrible. If you look at his overall body of work in that game, though, it's pretty solid. Didn't get some help in some situations. There were some calls that went against the Bills. There were some plays that went against him. All told, I thought the coaching staff got a little conservative. That hurt them. There were culprits all over. Hopefully, Sean McDermott, he's a very smart man. Hopefully, he self-scouted the way he approached that game, hopefully Brian Dable self-scouted the way he called plays in that game. Because of that, I think this team is very much primed to have a good year. Another point that I've talked a lot about is continuity is going to help a lot. There has been no preseason. So we haven't seen a whole lot of football. We don't know what's going on other than the snippets we see from reporters 
were filming parts that they're allowed to in the training camp portion of team practices. That's all we've seen. So we don't know what to expect. This is much like college football opening weekend. The teams practice, practice, practice. Now you've got a game. And oftentimes, the team that plays the first week of the season doesn't resemble the team that takes the field mid or late season. It takes time to develop. That's where I think continuity of roster and coaching staff go a long way to giving an advantage, especially early on. So with that as the backdrop, I've gone through and looked at the Bills' season and looked at their schedule and basically looked at the NFL and come up with my NFL prediction. So that's how I'm going to start this week's podcast, going through the Bills' schedule, what I see, what I expect, what I think will happen, and then how that works into the rest of the NFL as far as determining a champion. And let me start with this. I think the most important thing, again, this year is the COVID. I believe this schedule that the Bills and the NFL will have set out will be played on time. I think the NFL will do whatever it needs to do to ensure that on February 7th there is a Super Bowl that has some sort of legitimacy. Whether or not fans are at that Super Bowl remains to be seen. But I do believe the NFL is prepared as best as they can to ensure that every team gets their 16 games in in a timely fashion. There may be an extra bye week added to the schedule at some point. But other than that, this season will play out. And February 7th, there will be a Super Bowl champion. That's my biggest prediction that I'm going to make today. So that's prediction number one. Week one, the Bills host the Jets. This is a game the Bills absolutely have to win. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. The Jets' defense with the trading of Jamal Adams. Got very good defensive line with Kenan Williams and Leonard Williams. But the linebacker core, C.J. Mosley, opted out. He's their best player. Cornerbacks, weak. Safety, Marcus May is a nice player. But I think he was a better player, obviously, with Adams next to him back there. I don't like the Jets' defense. Offensively, they don't know how to use Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase is clueless. Sam Darnold is a guy who will throw ten passes, eight of which you look at and go, that guy is a great player. The other two you look at and go, what the hell was that? I think he's a guy who's always going to have turnover issues. I think he's a guy who's never going to fully get an opportunity to achieve what he may become, and I think that's a very good quarterback in New York with the Jets, with Adam Gates. So I think the Bills get a win there. They then travel to Miami. The Dolphins announced that their starting quarterback is one of my favorites, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I affectionately call Ryan Fitzpatrick the cockroach. You can't kill Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't stop him from playing quarterback in the NFL, and you can't kill a cockroach. So the cockroaches at the helm in Miami. I like the Dolphins. I love Brian Flores. I love what they're doing. But I think this Bills team going down there early on, again, continuity, that defense the Bills bring, that travels. I think that this is another win. The Bills start 2-0. They then host the L.A. Rams. Remember a couple years ago, the Rams were poised to become a dynasty. Todd Gurley was as good a back as we had in the league. Sean McVay. If you shook hands with him once, you had an opportunity 
to get an NFL coaching job. Just ask Zach Taylor of the Cincinnati Bengals. But the Rams, they're not the same team. They've lost players. They still have Aaron Donald defensively, but they haven't been able to keep everything together on defense. Jared Goff isn't the guy that I thought he was going to be. Cooper Cup, I still I continue to say this. I wanted the Bills to draft him a couple years ago. Instead, they went with Zay Jones. Cooper Cup's a very good wide receiver. Robert Woods, one of my favorite Bills of all time over there. Uh, they, they've got a nice receiving core, but I just don't think they're as strong as they used to be. Bills start 3-0 and with a win there. First real road trip out west, and there will be four of them. Bills go to Vegas to play the Raiders. Now, this was the week that many Bills fans were going to go to Vegas and enjoy the strip, see the new stadium, the Raiders. I don't think they're a good team. I, I really think they're a bit away with Gruden. Derek Carr is another quarterback who I don't know how to figure. But Mayock and Gruden are building something out there. It's not there yet. And I don't think this year's a playoff year, but it's an improvement year. And I think this is the first Bills loss of the year the following week they go to tennessee and the titans while i may not believe in ryan Tannehill long term i believe in the defense that they're putting together i like mike vrabel i like the offensive line derrick henry is a better runner late in the season than he is early in the season i think it's a freshness standpoint other players that he's going against aren't as fresh they don't want to tackle that beast of a running back but this is early on. I still, though, think this is another loss for the Bills at the Titans to make them 3-2. and two. Then we come to a home game against the Kansas City Chiefs on a Thursday night. Now, if there's 70,000 fans in New Era Field on a Thursday night against the defending champions, this is a game that I think could go either way. That's a big if. It's not going to happen. There may be a few fans in the stadium at that point. Certainly won't be 70,000. Bill's Mafia robbed of a great opportunity to support their team. The Chiefs beat the Bills, and the Bills fall to 3-3. Three and three. They follow that up with a trip to New York to play the Jets again. We've already talked about the Jets. The extra few days of rest help the Bills. They get back on a winning track 4-3. to three. Four and 4-3 they'll be after that. The Patriots come to town the following week. It's not the Tom Brady Patriots, but Cam Newton's the best quarterback in the AFC East. I firmly believe that when healthy, Cam Newton's still a very good quarterback. Patriots were smart to have signed him to the deal they signed him to. It's going to be a different type of offense. I believe it's a run-first offense than a more complement, a very good defense in New England. However, this is where Sean McDermott's group gets the win they need to get to get over the hump. They end up winning and going 5-3. and three. Then Seattle comes to town the following week. Russell Wilson is as good as any quarterback in the NFL and maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. I know that's not a popular opinion, but if you look at Patrick Mahomes and you were to switch Mahomes and Russell Wilson, to me, the Chiefs still are Super Bowl champions. I'm not sure that Seattle's a playoff team with Pat Mahomes. I think Russell Wilson is extremely special. He's on his way to Canton. However, West Coast teams coming east. That said, Bills get a win there and improve to 6-3. and three. Following week, the Bills make their second trip out west to Arizona. 
I love what Kyler Murray's going to be. Keywords, going to be. DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald still out there. A, an improving defense, yet they're not there yet. And frankly, as much as I like what they're doing, I don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury's system long-term as it pertains to wins in the NFL. A lot of excitement. Not sure about wins. The Bills get a win there. Go 7-3, and three, and they get a much-needed buy the following week for the Chargers come to town. And the Chargers at that point, I think, will be playing Justin Herbert, not old friend Tyrod Taylor. Herbert going into Buffalo, facing that defense that has a little extra time to prepare. I believe that the Bills get that win, and it's 8-3. and three. The next week, the Bills go out west again to San Francisco. It's a Monday night football game against the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. That defensive line is just stacked for the 49ers. They've also got good skill players around Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is still a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. 49ers get a win. The Bills then are 8-4. and four. Here's where, again, number two of Bills Mafia getting robbed an opportunity. The Steelers come to town for Sunday night football the following week. The Steelers have Ben Roethlisberger back this year. The defense, the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick is something that I don't know that we'll understand how big of a deal that is until it's all said and done. The Steelers... They are a really good young defense. T.J. Watt could be defensive player of the year this year. He may have that crazy of sack numbers. This defense is going to be very good. If Roethlisberger is Roethlisberger, and there's no reason to think he won't be. I think offensively, they'll be very good. The Steelers come into Buffalo and get a win. And again, if the fans were there, I would be thinking the other way about the outcome of that game. The next week. The Bills go out to Denver, another West Coast trip. The Broncos, they still got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb defensively. Offensively, Drew Locke showed some things at the end of last year. Their offensive skill group, Melvin Gordon along with Philip Lindsay, very good depth at the running back position. Jerry Judy now goes and joins Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant at tight end. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Bills on the road at mile high. I think this is another loss for the Bills, dropping them to 8-6. and six. So now we're getting to the point, do the Bills have a chance at the playoffs? Well, the next week they go to New England. The Patriots, again, continuity early, good. Teams grow into what they're going to be. By week 16, game 15, the Patriots will know what they are with Cam Newton. Run first, defensive-oriented team will give the Bills all they can handle on Monday Night Football. I believe this is another loss, dropping the Bills to 9-7. and seven. Season finale down in Miami, January 3rd. Nice to get out of the cold to go down to Miami. Uh, I'm sorry, for the Dolphins coming up here into the cold. This is where the cold, not the fans, make the difference. Bills win this one to go 9-7. and seven. They are a playoff team. So if you're a Bills fan watching this and you're upset with me, I just – think that this team is not yet offensively ready to dominate games the way they need to to win a lot of football games this is a good football team not a great football team yet but i wouldn't want to play them 
in the playoffs. So nine and seven is what I have the Bills going for the regular season. That's not going to win the AFC East, though. I have the Patriots winning ten games and winning the AFC East. So the Bills become a wild card team. The Patriots win the AFC. Other AFC division champions. I have the Steelers. I mentioned Roethlisberger coming back. I really love that defense. I think the Steelers are a team that are going to make some noise this year. And that division, the AFC North, best division in football for my money. The Texans come out of the South. Deshaun Watson is a great young quarterback. We saw what he did the second half last year against the Bills in the playoffs. Love what they're doing. I love everything about the Texans other than Bill O'Brien. Shouldn't let that man be the general manager and the head coach. But the Texans come out of the South. Of course, Kansas City, how do you not have them repeating out West? They've had a very good offseason following the Super Bowl. I have three the three wild cards, and remember, there are three this year because of the expansion. The Bills are one. The Ravens, certainly, that's a complete team. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson follows his MVP season with a similar season. I love what this kid can do. I just think that defenses and defensive coordinators have had a year now to look at tape, figure out a way to contain him. You're not going to stop an athlete like Lamar Jackson. You're simply not. But if you can contain him and hit him, I think you can slow him down a little bit. That happens, and I think the, the Ravens take a very small step backwards this year, and that's why I have them as a wild card team, not as a division champion. And then the Titans talked about them earlier. While I may not believe in Ryan Tannehill, I don't think he has to do much. I think the Bills and the Titans are very similar blueprints going forward. Defense, tough offensive line, quarterback who can make plays, but don't let him lose the game for you. Kansas City comes out of the AFC for the Super Bowl representative. As much as I didn't want to pick them because I was looking for something that wasn't going to be a repeat. How do you not? I mentioned the offseason. They're just getting into the groove of where they are. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a huge impact player, in my opinion. First-round running back out of LSU. I really think that he's a perfect fit for this team. So, KC wins the AFC. In the NFC, the East, I've got the Cowboys coming out. It's a two-division team. The the Giants and Redskins are, I'm sorry, the Washington football team are developing players. They're going to be better. The Redskins, the Washington football team defense, it's going to take me a while, folks. I apologize for that. Their defense is growing. I like Dwayne Haskins, Haskins probably better than most. The Giants, I think Daniel Jones has a chance to be a very good quarterback. I love Saquon Barkley. Their defense is in need of talent. They've got some good young talent, needs to get better. I think the Eagles, as much as what we saw last year, Carson Wentz essentially strapping that team to his back and bringing them to the division title, I think this year it's a big ask when you've already got key injuries on that offensive line. Jason Peters now once again asked to play left tackle. Not sure he's going to be capable of doing that for 16 games at this stage of his Hall of Fame career. So I got the Cowboys and their skill set on offense and their front seven on defense 
winning enough games to get the AFC East title. Love me some Vikings. Dalvin Cook is a guy that most people don't think about when you say best running backs in the game. But to me, Dalvin Cook is every bit as good as every other back in football. I love the way the kid runs. He can catch it. Kirk Cousins seemed to take a step forward last year in big games. It's always been a bugaboo of his. They don't have Stephon Diggs. They still do have Adam Thielen. They also have that defense and have retooled it a little bit. I think the Vikings are the team out of the north. The most talented team in football is the New Orleans Saints. If you look at rosters and start ranking rosters, number one, in my opinion, is the New Orleans Saints. There's something about this team, though, that when it comes to winning big games, it hasn't happened. I don't know why. I don't understand why they move the ball up and down the field and sometimes don't get it in the end zone. There's also the Drew Brees age factor. Eventually, he and Brady eventually are going to slow down a little bit. So I I love the Saints. I don't think they're the team that comes out of the NFC, even though they're the best team. 49ers, I talked about that defense earlier. Love that defense. Love what Kyle Shanahan did with running the football in the playoffs last year to complement that defense. Shows he's smart enough to not impose his system on a team that needs to play a certain way. I like that about him. I do think that the 49ers are a very good team, and they'll be a tough out in the playoffs. Three, of course, wildcard teams, the Seahawks. You heard me talk about Russell Wilson. They will certainly be a playoff team. The Buccaneers and Bra- with Brady, I don't know that the pickup of Leonard Fournette is a big deal. I like Ronald Jones a little bit anyway. To me, this season comes down to how does the defense handle Win, handle the offense scoring a whole lot of points. Last year, Tampa scored a lot of points with Jameis Winston. Unfortunately, he threw picks that put that defense in bad situations. This year, I, Tom Brady's not going to throw 31 picks. Uh, there's your scalding hot take for the day. How does that defense now handle the fact that they don't get put in bad situations? Not a true believer in the defense, but I think the offense is going to be fun to watch. The last playoff team is the Green Bay Packers. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers starts 16 games this year. I'm not sure that this isn't the year of transition from Aaron Rodgers to the young kid love, the quarterback that they drafted in the first round this year, and that makes Rodgers a free agent next year, something to keep an eye on there because I think there's still a lot of game left in Aaron Rodgers. But the Packers get it done. They're a nice team. They're a run-first team now, which is much different. Definitely like that team. Now, who comes out of the NFC? I've already said it's not the Saints. I don't think the 49ers are able to get back there. I think it's going to be a Dallas-Seattle NFC championship game. And I really think that the Dallas Cowboys with Mike McCarthy – with all of that talent offensively, the offensive line, although they got an injury with Leal Collins, who's been put on IR, he's going to miss a bunch of games at the start of the year. He was rock solid last year at right tackle. You know Tyron Smith is going to miss some games at left tackle. That's a big deal. 
But I still think there's too much talent offensively and in the front seven defensively. And remember, Earl Thomas is still unsigned. I think that's something that's going to happen. It's been rumored for a long time, even when he was still in Seattle. It was talked about, will he end up in Dallas where he wants to play? How you bring a guy in at this point and expect him to be a big contributor, I'm not sure. But Earl Thomas's ability, I think, is too big to pass on when you have a chance to win it all. And Jerry Jones, he knows he has a chance. But they don't win it all. Kansas City Chiefs ruined Jerry's Super Bowl party and they will be the team to represent to win the Super Bowl trophy yet again this year, back to back for Kansas City. So there's my NFL preview. Do with it what you want. I will save it and revisit it in January and February and see how I did. And I'm always intrigued to see how it turns out because you get some right and you get some wrong. And I'm always interested to see what I get right. And more importantly, what I miss on and how I missed on it. This week, the Buffalo Bills made a great decision, in my opinion. They extended their all-pro cornerback, Tredavious White. When Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean came here, they talked about changing the culture. This is all about the culture. you got to change the culture. What is culture in an NFL locker room? What does that mean? What What is the point? Now, Look, we'll forever talk about the fact that the Bills passed on Patrick Mahomes, traded out of that spot with Kansas City. The Chiefs then, of course, picked him and have won a Super Bowl, and I just told you I'm expecting them to win a second. They passed on the opportunity to take Deshaun Watson. But their consolation prize, if you will, Tredavious White, is a key part of this team because not only on the field is he great, off the field, is he, he's great. I want you to listen to Trey White yesterday talking about what it means to him to sign this contract extension. My dad, man, he's honestly, he's been crying for the last two days. Uh, and I've been the same way. Uh, I, I just, honestly, I really just can't put into words how, how thankful and how blessed and that I am to be in this position, man. Uh, I, I never would have thought, I mean, just me just grinding my whole life and continues to work at, working out and doing all hella workouts and, and going to camps. My dad taking me to camps after he's crazy tired. He's driving from Dallas to pick me up in Shreveport to take me back to Texas, to Houston, to a camp. To all, the, all those things came into my mind, man when I was able to finally call my parents on, on three-way. And I told them, I was like, I never told you guys this after I got drafted, but I can finally say that we, we did it. And once I told my dad and my mom that, is, I, it was a whole load that was lifted out of my shoulders because I knew that I could retire my parents and they'll never have to worry about anything. So that's the emotion that I'm feeling, man. And I, I can't put into words because I have a, a lot of people and a lot of family members that 
I could I could change their lives and that's what I plan to do because I wasn't put in this position for no reason. I wasn't put in this position to do it for myself, to to just reap all the benefits for myself, to think that I'm bigger than anybody else, or I was put in this position to spread the love and spread spread everything that I'm being blessed with. I was put in this position to help help people out where I'm from, to to better to better the resources that they have and to give them the resources to be successful. And I plan to do so. I'm not wearing a hat, but if I was, I'd tip my hat to Trey White. What a great young man that guy is, and what a great player he is. He gets it in so many ways. Easy to root for, has a lot of fun. The Trey White Goalie Academy, I think, is funny. He's just a a guy who has a good time playing a game he loves, but there's a lot more to him. When Sean McDermott started preaching culture, Many were skeptical. I know I was. And if you wonder what culture is, it's the result of the people that make up the group. People like Trey White, that's why the culture is such a positive and important thing in Buffalo. They've got a great culture. They've got a great situation. And there's no better example of that than Tredavious White. Very happy for him. Brandon Bean's done a great job of building a roster with depth everywhere except for linebacker and creating competition within the team. He's also done a very good job of keeping guys together, re-signing Deion Dawkins, making sure he's got things in place to to be able to re-sign Tredavious White. He's got a lot of work to do over the next couple of years. Of course, Matt Milano is the next domino to fall, if you will. And then next year, it's the decisions on Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. Both will be very costly. The hope is that they present a situation that you have to sign them both. And I think Edmonds will be a no-brainer for a contract extension because it's a manageable amount of money. The question is going to be, what do you do with Josh Allen, if he has another year like this year, this year like he did last year, is that enough for you to invest quarterback money? What is quarterback money? Well, we found out this week because Deshaun Watson signed an extension that is somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 million a year. He deserves every bit of it. Deshaun Watson When he was first drafted, I remember hearing this story, reading this, and thinking, wow, this is really, really impressive for a young man. When guys are drafted into the league, they don't have a ton of money. They don't have that $40 million a year money. They have hundreds of thousands and oftentimes a few million dollars. But after taxes, agents, and all the things that go on with that, it's not life-changing money yet. Now, the hope is they'll get there. There was a huge hurricane that devastated the Houston area. There were two lunch ladies who lost their their homes. Sean Watson gave his first NFL paycheck 
to these two lunch ladies who were there every day serving lunch to the team, even though their house had been wiped out by a hurricane. I remember hearing that story and thinking, that's a guy you want to lead your franchise because it's not always just about the player. Go back to what we said about Tredavious White and the fact that the culture of the Buffalo Bills. If your leader, if your best player is that kind of person, that kind of human being, you invest in them. And the Texans rightly did. Listen to the guys from the NFL Network talk about Deshaun Watson and his contract extension. Yeah, really just an incredible moment for Deshaun Watson. I I actually, besides getting all in my feelings watching that that clip, I was actually thinking about how, Mike, remember when Dabo Sweeney uh, at the, I believe at the Senior Bowl, talked about how he's Michael Jordan and everyone sort of rolled their eyes? He basically has become that. I mean, so many, not that getting the big contract is the be-all and end-all because clearly there are championships that he wants to win, but but clearly he has become exactly who his former Clemson coach and exactly who the Houston Texans thought he would be and the people close to him as well, certainly an inspiration there for Deshaun Watson signing that four-year $160 million extension with $111 million guaranteed. Can I tell you what else was interesting about that shot? So we saw Deshaun Watson at the Zoom press conference. He was wearing a shirt that said lefties on it. I was kind of curious what that was. Turns out it is a cheesesteak franchise. He's actually about to become uh, an owner, a co-owner of cheesesteak franchises that he's bringing to Houston. So he's kind of uh, of getting into the community and, and becoming an owner of a franchise. So a lot going on here, a lot of very cool things going on here uh, for the Texans quarterback. Just a great young player. And you, you look at the quarterback group as a whole. Talked a lot about this over the past time we've been doing this podcast. We're in a transition. Brady and Breeze, they're in their 40s, nearing the end. Roethlisberger trying to make a comeback late 30s, nearing the end. Phillip Rivers starting over in Indianapolis, but he's closer to the end than the beginning. But the young guys, Mahomes, Watson, they, Lamar Jackson, they are poised to take the mantle and move forward. And you look at Watson and you look the, at the fact he won in college, played huge in the big games. We saw him last year against the Bills playing huge in a playoff game. Smart move by the Texans, getting him locked up. They, the Texans, I think they've mismanaged their roster greatly. This offseason's trade of DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sorry, I just can't understand it. I know it's a money personality thing with Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is about to get a new deal out in Arizona, but this doesn't make sense. And if you've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you surround him with pieces, you keep those pieces there, and you let him win games for you. The pieces that help you win games are not David Johnson. Maybe five years ago it was, but not right now. It's it's going to be interesting to see how the Texans have everything play out, but I certainly believe in investing in a guy like Deshaun Watson. There are It's never too early to talk about coaches on the hot seat. <laughs> I, I know we haven't played a game yet, but let's face it. This is something that is going to be discussed from week one all the way to the day after 
The season ends, affectionately known as Black Monday. And I've already got four names that I expect to be let go at some point during the season or shortly thereafter. Let's start with the guy I already spoke of, Adam Gates. How he got hired by the Jets, I don't understand. I, I, I thought that was a bad hire from the beginning. He just flamed out in Miami. Just did a poor job handling things in Miami. And you give him another opportunity right away. Well, uh, the Jets are obviously smarter than I and many others are because they thought that was the move to make. I'll never understand that one. Didn't make sense. And because of that, well, he's going to be one of the first to go. Uh, Matt Patricia. He is from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Quite often guys from the Belichick coaching tree act like Belichick, even though they don't have the credibility of Belichick. Patricia has struggled to get the pulse of his team over his first couple of years. Wasn't sure he was going to be brought back for year three. I think that this year's Lions team will struggle yet again. I don't see that they've made strides to become a real good team. That said, if Matt Stafford's healthy and has a good year with Kenny Galladay, I think that they could maybe be a 500 team, but I just don't see it. I think Patricia's another one who's going to go. The team who may already be on the clock for the Trevor Lawrence draft this year is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Talked about this last week, how Doug Marone's still employed. Your, your guess is as good as mine. He won't be for long. And the fourth name I'm going to put on my preseason hot seat list. When you decide that the quarterback that's going to lead your team is the same guy who hasn't made a step forward in two years as a young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, and you're starting him over a guy who you've seen a decent body of work, including winning the Super Bowl, Nick Foles, I think you've set your team and your organization up for failure. And when you do that, you're likely to get fired. Matt Nagy closes out the list. Dark horse candidate, and I don't think you fire a guy after two years, especially if you're a cheap organization, and the Cincinnati Bengals are that Zach Taylor. I don't think the Bengals win many games. I don't think that Zach Taylor gets fired, but I think next year Joe Burrow will have his second head coach coaching for him. I, I'm not ready to put him on the – in-season watch list, but it wouldn't shock me if Zach Taylor is a two-year guy. So that's the NFL preview for you. Two days away, very happy about that, very excited to watch some football. Of course, next week we'll be breaking down all the Bills game action against the Jets and, of course, the rest of the league. For a couple weeks now, I've been trying to remind you about how much more important your time is than you think it is. And we can help you save time. And we can do so for free, at least initially. Our friends at Instacart have a great offer for you. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour. And right now, if you click the show notes, we're going to give you your first try at Instacart free on an order over $35. Free. You can try it. And your time is valuable. You don't have to leave the house. Instacart will bring your groceries to you. 
Go online, click, 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 fill up your cart. Instacart does the rest. Groceries in as fast as one hour. Click the show notes and your first order over $35 free. It's not a bad deal. Free generally is a pretty good deal. Check it out. Switch to some Major League Baseball. If you're a Yankees fan, first off, welcome to what the rest of us go through. Because as a Mets fan, if the Yankees were doing what they're doing and that was what the Mets were doing, I'd be like, yeah, we just call that another day. The Yankees are struggling. They're now a couple games behind the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm sorry, the Buffalo Blue Jays. They are playing nine more games against the Blue Jays, including six in Buffalo between now and the end of the year. Half, the, half of the Yankees games the rest of the year are against the Blue Jays. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these two teams go at it. And we saw last night that there is no lead safe with the Blue Jays. The Jays had a 10-run inning against the Yankees' bullpen. Let me say that again. Yankees' bullpen, one of the best, if not the best, and deepest in baseball, gave up a 10-run inning. Now, i got to point out something. Early on last night, the Yankees started the season or started the game with two solo home runs, one by Luke Voigt, who's having a monster year. Never been a believer in Luke Voigt, but, man, he is trying hard to prove me wrong this year. And Aaron Hicks hit a solo shot as well. I don't remember Buffalo and Salem Stadium being a launching pad, but it sure is this year. You know why I don't remember it being a launching pad all those years in AAA? Because it wasn't. It's never been. It's actually a pitcher's park in AAA with a AAA baseball. But now, the Major League Baseball, which if you look closely under the Rod Manfred signature, if you scratch it off, it says Titleist underneath it. Pro V1X. Yeah. Those baseballs are wound so tightly. It's just... To me, I get it. Baseball wants offense. They want home runs. Chicks dig the long ball. You add all of that. It's not a better game when you're playing softball and you're just launching home run after home run. Sorry. It's not a better game. It's not something that anyone wants to see. The time of last night's game, four hours and two minutes for a nine-inning game. Is that what you want? Is that what baseball wants? I thought this whole thing... Speed up the game. All the, the problem baseball has, they're trying to speed the game up. But they also want offense. You know what slows games down? Offense. You know what speeds games up? Pitching. Unfortunately, Major League Baseball is caught in a conundrum, and they don't know which way to go. They've chosen wrongly, in my opinion, and put their money in the offense, not in the speed of game. But the Yankees last night, yes, it was Adam Adovino and, again, Shane Green, who I really like. Adovino's paid a lot of money to not get people out. Last night, his line didn't get anyone out, gave up four hits, six earned runs. He also walked two. How's that for your ERA? Talk about ballooning. His ERA goes from about one, five to seven, eight in one outing. Not good. But the problem with the Yankees – is obviously their injury situation. But I think it's deeper than that. The Yankees have spent a lot of money and put a lot of effort into building a deep roster. 
there are a lot of guys who aren't performing who are on this roster. It's not about the judges and the Stantons, the guys that aren't there. To me, it's about the guys who are there who aren't getting the job done. Garrett Cole has struggled with the home run ball, giving up 13 home runs. Now, in 52 innings pitched, he struck out 70. So he's actually doing a pretty good job, but pretty good isn't good enough when you're getting a $330 million contract for 10 years as a pitcher. Excellent is what you should be. If you look around baseball right now, there are a couple guys having phenomenal years, and because I know him the best, I'm going to point out Jake DeGrom and where he is. You look at DeGrom and what he does on a game-in, game-out basis, how excellent he is keeping his team in it, a bad team, a poor defensive team. And Garrett Cole has not done that. Garrett Cole's standard isn't good enough to be 4-3 and three with a 3-6 ERA. That's not his standard. When you're the, the ace being paid that much money, your standard is to look at guys like DeGrom and go out there and put up zeros. Give your team a chance to win. It's not done that consistently. Masahiro Tanaka has pitched well since coming back from injury. However, in his seven starts, he's only given the Yankees 32 innings. Now, I know the caution coming back from injury is part of it, but four and a half innings per start is not good enough for a guy who's at one time was thought of to be a future ace. Another pitcher who has not been what they hoped is Aroldis Chapman. Chapman, who you still got about four more years with him as the closer, is taken back his job with Zach Britton's injury, but he hasn't been right. He's given up four runs in his five innings pitched. And most notably, he threw a ball at, at the kid from Tampa, Choi, threw it at his head and created a situation to get himself suspended. You can't do that if you're a rollless Chapman. Your team needs you. I know this season seems strange, but this is a pennant race. There are less than 20 games left in this year. You can't be getting suspended and you can't be getting giving up leads to a bad team like the Mets. Just can't do it. Offensively, Gary Sanchez has just been a joke. 48 strikeouts and 100 at-bats. This guy strikes out half the time. Yeah, he's got seven home runs, but he's hitting 130. Glaber Torres has been struggling. Got to be better coming back from injury. Brett Gardner, but I don't even know why they're running the dude out there, frankly. He's had a nice run, good career, time to go away. Just been awful. Aaron Hicks, I mentioned, hit a home run last night. He's run into a few, but consistently, he's not there. And they got eight more years of Aaron Hicks as well. Guy who was really good last year, Mike Ford, has been awful this year, hitting in the 140s. And Miguel Andujar, although he hit a home run last night, he's struggled to find his way. Yes, the injuries are a factor. I understand that. But it's not about the injuries. It's about the healthy guys not performing to the level that they're capable of. If that doesn't change, this Yankee season will end up being one that's talked about, not because of COVID in 2020, but because of disappointment. There's a local kid who's doing very well in the major leagues. Danny Mendick, kid from Pittsburgh Menden, has made himself a solid part of a very good young team. 
the Chicago White Sox are a team that when you start looking at them and looking at what they're doing, they're tied for the lead in the, in the American League Central with the Indians. It's a very, very good division, by the way. But you look at this team, and it's been a team that's been building for a while. Danny Mendick's become a key contributor as a starting second baseman. He's got a couple home runs. He's playing about every day. If you follow him on Twitter, he does this thing where they're dancing for dubs, dancing for wins. It's a cool thing, and I'm really happy and proud that a kid from the Rochester area has become a solid major league player. He made his debut at the end of last year and has become a very good young player. But you look at the young talent that is on this squad. Names like Tim Anderson, who's hitting about 350 right now. Yoan Makata, everyone knows that name because he was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Eloy Jimenez, similarly. You've got a kid who was drafted very highly, Nick Matigral, just a couple of years ago, coming up playing some. This is a great young squad of talent, and they've got some really good pitching. Lewis, Lucas Giolito, kid who came over from the Nationals a couple of years ago, threw a no-hitter. He's become a very good young pitcher, Dallas Keuchel, although he left the other the game the other day because of injury. He's had a great start and a great effect on this team. Really good story brewing in Chicago. And it's funny, if you're the other team in sports, the other team in a city, you're exactly that. You know, it's like the Yankees and the Mets. The Mets are always going to be the other team. The Cubs and the White Sox. The Cubs... They didn't win for 100 years, yet nobody went to the White Sox games and everyone went to the Cubs games. And believe it or not, the best player in baseball plays in Los Angeles and not for the Dodgers. Yeah, there's another team in L.A. too. They're called the Angels. They're a mess. They, they never win in spite of having Mike Trout. The White Sox, they're the other team. But keep an eye on them because like the Padres who I highlighted last week, it's a fun young group. And they're figuring it out, and there's a young local kid right in the middle of it. And I think it's fantastic. You know, every week I do a as the mess turns, and it's it's a talk about the Mets. Well, I'm actually going to give credit this week to the Mets because they did something right. Now they didn't win many games; they won a couple, but no, it's not on the field. Tom Seaver, who as a guy of my age was the guy, if you're a Mets fan, growing up in the 70s, there was nobody else. I mean, there were a lot of bad players I rooted for. Dave Kingman, John Milner, Tim Tuffle was an 80s player who I liked a lot. You start thinking back to those 70 Mets, other than John Matlack and Tom Seaver, who was a really to root for? Tug McGraw for a minute, but it was a bad, bad team, bad organization. But every fifth day, Tom Seaver went out there, and Seaver was great. And as a little kid, I always remember that when Seaver was on, because he was the ultimate drop-and-drive pitcher, when he was on, his back knee would be dirty because he'd literally drag it on the ground. Well, Seaver passed away last week. He had suffered from dementia and just a sad ending to a great, great life. And the Mets honored him in a way that, I, I was like, yes, they did it right. Every player put dirt 
on their right knee to, to honor Tom Seaver. It was fantastic. It was extremely well done. Seaver, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You start looking at the numbers, they're mind-boggling how great they are. He was the best Met ever, and I don't even think it's close. As great as Jake DeGrom is now, he can't carry Tom Seaver's jock. And it's, it's sad to say that because DeGrom is great, but Seaver was that great. If you start talking about the Mount Rushmore of pitchers, Tom Seaver's name is in there. I don't know if he makes the Mount Rushmore of pitchers, but he's certainly a guy whose name belongs in the conversation. Just a great, great player. Baseball also lost Lou Brock this week. Lou Brock of the Cardinals, who was great in the World Series games that he played in, 3,000 hits, arguably the greatest base stealer in the history of the game. I can't give that to Vince Coleman because he was a terrible Met. Ricky Henderson, maybe, but Lou Brock was the guy who I think changed the game that way. Because of his success, it allowed Ricky Henderson to do what he did. But when you look at Lou Brock, he's easily one of the greatest players of all time, and by all accounts, an equally great man. So baseball, they they took some hits this week and took some losses. I want you to listen to Seaver talk about the first time he met Lou Brock. When I showed up at the game, the All-Star Game in 67, I had to show my ID. They didn't know. He didn't know. I looked like I was about 17. They said, you're right, kid. And I was the first one there. And then I was walking around, and Lou Brock came in. And he said, and we still share one of the, how things, how things span the years. We still share this line every year at Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. He looked at me. He said, hey, kid, give me a Coke. And I said, there's some expletives here, adjectives that I did. Family throw show, in. we won't That's use right. them. That's yeah. right. We won't use those. I said, get your own bleeping Coke. <laughs> he said, I'm on the team. And he goes, who are you? <laughs> great story by Seaver. And uh, great, great players, both he and Brock. RIP to both and to their families, thoughts and, and prayers. Just Two guys who I remember as a little kid thinking they were bigger than the world, and, and they were in their own way. So baseball, tough week for the, for the Major League Baseball as far as losing some legends. I know a lot of people are caught up in what's going on with social movements, and because of their opinion of that, they may not be tuning in to what's going on in the NBA. And I think if that's the case, you're missing out. The basketball in the bubble has been very good. And one team that's been very good and I think very unexpected is the Miami Heat. They're up 3-1 to one over the Bucks. Giannis is hurt, unlikely to play tonight, and a chance for the Heat to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. They likely would play the Celtics, who took a lead last night over the Raptors. But you look at the Heat and you look at what they've done I mean, I don't think Eric Spolstra will ever get the credit that he's due. This is a guy who's won titles as a head coach. But I think everyone looks at it as, well, Pat Riley's behind him, so therefore, is it him or is it Riley? 
Spolster's done a great job. I, Jimmy Butler is the heartbeat of this team, plays with attitude, plays with an edge, and gets after it. But I think there's an important factor when you look at this team and the makeup of this team. They have the worker bees with, like, Bam Adebayo and Jay Crowder. They've got a nice point guard in Goran Dragic. So they've got some, some good pieces other than Butler. But there's a couple of young guys who are succeeding at a high rate. Two shooters, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And Hero, frankly, is much more than just a shooter. This is a kid who played at Kentucky. He can take it to the hole. He's pretty athletic. But he's shooting 42% from three in the playoff series against the Bucks. Tyler Hero, as a young player, is somebody that the league is going to look to find players like him because they're athletic enough to finish. But, man, if you leave it open, they're going to knock it down. There's Duncan Robinson, who took a very unconventional route to get to where he is. But this kid can flat-out shoot it. And I think the fact that these teams are playing in a bubble with no fan noise, with no crowd situation, they're just balling in the gym. And if you're a shooter and you're comfortable, that shot's going in. Anyone who's ever played the game at any sort of level knows what I'm talking about. When you feel good and you let it go, ball's going in. And when you're talking about guys who can shoot it like Hero and Robinson to that level and they're that good as shooters – why aren't they comfortable? They're just playing a game. The NBA games in the bubble are not dissimilar from NBA practices. They're competitive. You're getting after it. Trash talk. But there's not 20,000 people screaming at you. There's not people five feet away from you pointing swearing at you. There's none of that. It's just a gym with coaches and referees and players. It's a great environment for a young player, but maybe no better environment for a young player who can shoot it. Again, shooters, when comfortable, are makers, not shooters. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero are comfortable in the bubble. They don't have to deal with the crowd noise, and they're succeeding. If you think back to all the great shooters over time, and I'm not talking about the Ray Allens. I'm talking about guys like Kyle Korver, who is a much better shooter at home in the playoffs than he is on the road. Why is that? Comfort level. Comfort means everything, and the bubble is working very, very well. LeBron James is as polarizing of an NBA player as I've ever seen. He is great, but people don't like him. But in his 17th year, the game he played the other night, he's averaging almost a triple-double for the first couple games of the series against Houston. He just played an all-around game. Anthony Davis is basically unguardable with his size and his talent. They are so much fun to watch. Go at each other. Houston trying to play one way. The Lakers trying to play another way. It's been really, really good basketball. There's also the Clippers series against Denver. And Denver had a loss last night. They're now down 2-1. Kawhi Leonard maybe one of the strangest guys we'll ever talk about his career. But if they win a title this year, and they may, to look at Kawhi and say, one title's in San Antonio. He was traded to Toronto, won a title there, went to the Clippers, and won a title there. 
Where does Kawhi Leonard, if that's the case, when we're looking at resumes, where does his resume put him on the all-time list? And I think it should be a lot higher than it is. You never hear anyone talk about him being a top 10 player of all time. Maybe he's not. But if they win another title in a on a team that he just went to, I, I think you got to start looking at this guy a little bit differently. He's just spectacular. The NHL down to their final four. The games haven't been great yet, but I think they will be. It's going to be a tough task for the Islanders to overcome Tampa. They got blown out last night. Islanders are a great story, and I'm happy for them because they have got so many great fans on the island. It's unfortunate they're not playing on the island, but then again, here we are in 2020. And, of course, out west, the Golden Knights are my my team. When we talk about who you're rooting for, it's the Golden Knights. I'm hoping it's Vegas, and I'd like to see the Islanders, but I think it'll be Tampa, and that should be a heck of a Stanley Cup final if that's how it ends up. So football starts on Thursday. Could not be more excited for that. We'll certainly be talking all about that next week. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you again about Instacart. Groceries in as fast as one hour. And if you click the show notes, your first order, over $35, free. It's a great word, free. Free. Say it with me. Your time is worth money. Let Instacart deal with the hassle of going to the store for you. Click the show notes, $35 or more order, free. And groceries in as fast as one hour from Instacart. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. I'm Carl Falk. This is the Falcon Around Podcast. 